You're listening to the Save the Marriage Podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. Hey, this is Lee Balkum, and this is the Save the Marriage podcast. This is the podcast that I've hosted now for, what, seven years to look at how marriages get into trouble and how they work their way back. We've been meeting together. If you've been listening long enough, you've been meeting with me, hearing me, hearing my voice, talking about what happens in a marriage and how things both come together and fall apart and then come back together again. So today I want to talk a little bit about how things fall apart sometimes. And this is going to be a a kind of a familiar story for many people. It's probably a process that you may have felt yourself. And I want to start with a statistic that was done by the California Divorce Mediation Project. That group decided that they wanted to kind of study what happened as people were going through the mediation process, what happened to their marriage, not just what happened as they were getting a divorce, but what happened in their marriage. And this is the, the fact that they found. They've discovered that 80% of the time, divorces were due to partners slowly growing apart and losing their sense of closeness. And that left them feeling unloved and unappreciated. I just want to kind of parse that out. What the study showed is eight times out of 10, eight times out of 10, that means there are only two times out of 10 that didn't follow this pattern. Eight times out of 10, the divorce was due to a slowly growing apart in the relationship. And that left them feeling uh, a loss of the closeness that they had. And I'm going to use another term in just a minute for what that's about. That left them feeling unloved and unappreciated. So a lack of the closeness leads to that feeling of being unloved and unappreciated. What is that closeness? Well, it's connection. That's what we're talking about once again. Now, connection is not the only thing that creates the process here. There are a couple of other pieces, but connection is the biggest one. Let me just kind of briefly say, if you haven't heard me talk about this before, connection is the lifeblood of a relationship. Connection is what pulls you closer and closer together, and a lack of connection is what pushes you further and further apart. So as we're getting to know somebody in the beginning stages of a relationship, you meet somebody and you're like, wow, they are really cool, and I want to know them more. And so you start working to learn more about them and to share more of yourself, and so you become closer and closer. And so you can talk about what feels like you know, we're so close, but what's behind that is a feeling of connection. We humans are connecting creatures. Studies go way back to what happens in childhood when we don't have what is at that point termed attachment, when we can't attach to somebody who takes care of us. Sometimes the can't attached is because the caregiver doesn't have the capacity, doesn't have the emotional capacity of providing that. And other times it's because there's something going on with a child. We often talk about in autism that a child has a hard time attaching to somebody. But then there are other people, maybe there's depression or anxiety or illness or distraction in the adult or addiction, lots of other things that leads them unable to have the resources to allow a child child to attach. 
And so we often talk about the attachment wounds that we carry with us. And if you're familiar with you know, attachment styles, that comes from what happens with us in childhood in attaching to somebody who cares for us. So that attachment, when we attach to somebody in adulthood, when it's more about you know, an egalitarian relationship, somebody who is our equal, that's connection. Do we feel connected to the other person? It's not that we need that other person for survival as much as we want to be a part of their lives. We, we want to have that emotional closeness, that physical closeness. So that's the attachment. That's the connection we're talking about. And that study showed that 80% of the time, That lack of closeness or lack of connection led to a feeling of feeling unloved and unappreciated. So it's not neutral, right? Less connection is not neutral. It's not like, you know, you you can just kind of do without that. It doesn't matter. It actually goes from feeling loved to feeling unloved and unappreciated. Not just neutral. It drives us to a different place. I recently read a, uh, a comment that a divorce attorney uh, wrote about how divorces happen. And I talked about this with my VIP members, and it really seemed to resonate with them because they were asking, how do marriages end? And this divorce attorney said, a little at a time, then all at once. A little at a time, then all at once. The little at a time is is the problem, right? Because we don't notice it. It often is off the radar screen. We we miss what's happening. So I want to give you a couple of reasons why this happens. So the, the connection is is like this place of wiring, as I talked about, that we're wired for that connection. And when it's not happening one place, we naturally begin to look for other places to draw that current. It's kind of like walking around with electrical cord. And if you go, oh, okay, that plug doesn't work, so I'll try over here. My wife had a, a hairdryer that was going out on her, and so she would put, put it in one plug, and it wouldn't work at all. For some reason, it worked in another plug. We still have yet to figure that out, but that's what she was doing, right? Oh, it doesn't work here. I don't get enough juice here, so let me go over here and try this, and, and it works over here. So we're, we need that connection enough that you know if, if we're not getting the juice one place, if we're not getting the current one place, we go look for somewhere else, and there are lots of places that that can happen in life that continue to draw us away. So if I'm not getting energy one place and I am getting in energy somewhere else, I'm no longer looking for energy at the original place. So if my marriage is not giving me the connection I need, I start looking for other places to feed that. Now, let me be clear. I'm not talking about you consciously, not like my wife going around going, let's see if this plug works. We don't do that consciously, but subconsciously, we start looking for other places to invest, whether it's investing in our kids or investing in work or hobbies or an affair partner or you know, games or somewhere else. You know, there, we can find the place to get that connection that we're, we're feeling the need for, even if it's not the same kind of connection. Even if we change the connection, we're still trying to find that connection point. So it happens a little at a time and then all at once. Why is that? Well, let's talk about that a little bit in a couple of different analogies. Let's talk about it in terms of your cell phone. You're using your cell phone all day long, and it keeps working up until the battery is almost dead. And then it shuts down. And if you're not looking at the battery meter, you don't notice it. So all day long, you're going, my phone works, my phone works, my phone works, while slowly it's eating away the battery. 
while slowly the battery level is dropping and dropping and dropping. And so suddenly you're in the middle of something important, some important phone call, and the phone shuts down. Right. You're, maybe it's in the evening and you're, you're looking at some story or, or you're responding to some email and all of a sudden it shuts down. And maybe it gives you a little warning, but it shuts down. If you had paid attention, you might have made sure that you kept that battery charged. So it's kind of like that connection wanes and wanes and wanes and you don't really notice it until suddenly it's so low that it can no longer support the relationship and it collapses all at once. Let me give you another example. Years ago, I had a car that did not have a reliable uh, gas uh, meter. And, and so I, I never was exactly sure how much gas I had in a gas tank, which I knew from the very beginning when I bought the car. The person said, yeah, I better warn you, you know, the gas tank, it, it, the, the gauge doesn't really show very accurately. And I said, well, how did you deal with that? And he said, well, I just kept it on full. You know, I, I, because I didn't know how much it, it was going to lose, I, I would Frequently, you know, I'd have a certain number of days and I'd go fill up the tank, whatever I needed. It was kind of an adventure to drive that car because if I was going any distance, I had to be mindful of the fact that I could run out of gas and I wouldn't know it until I'm on the side of the road. The car keeps running until it runs dry. And his, uh, his kind of analogy was what might work for any relationship to go, you know, I never wanted to go too low, so... I'll keep paying attention to it. I'll make sure that I put the gas in, I put the connection in, I put the effort in just to make sure it never gets to the place where it runs dry. A couple of examples there of what happens. Little by little, we drain it, whether it's the gas tank or the battery, until suddenly it drops. Suddenly it fails. And so many times that's exactly what we find in life, in our relationship, that we didn't nurse it along, we didn't pay it attention, we didn't give it what it needed, and suddenly it's not there when we want it. We suddenly feel disconnected. And so many times people tell me uh, these stories about how, you know, just a week ago or a month ago or six months ago or a year ago, their spouse was giving them love notes about their undying love, and now the love has died. And they can't understand what happened. Well, little by little, even in the middle of writing that note, little by little, the connection was waning until suddenly it collapses. So now we face where that often happens in a marriage. I call it the pause button marriage. And people do make a choice to pause their relationship because they don't understand what they're doing. I had a battery that I had, or a computer that I had put just put it to sleep, right? So the battery was there, and I put it to sleep, and I'd set it aside for a while. And it sat there for a while because I was doing some other things on other uh, computers. And so then I went and opened it up and turned it back on, knowing that it hadn't been used. So, you know, theoretically, the battery was okay. I forgot about the fact that when the computer was asleep, it was still using the battery to maintain some, some functioning on the back end. It was slowly draining that battery. So when I needed the computer, it was dead. Well, that's kind of what happens in a pause button marriage. In reality, marriages are never paused. They're either in decline 
or they're in expansion. That's the only two things that any relationship can do. Either it's declining and headed for trouble, or it's expanding even a little bit over time. Maybe I'm learning a little bit more about somebody else, or maybe we're finding a little bit better way of communicating. That's, that's growth. You may not even notice that, but that's what happens when couples stay connected. They learn a little more about each other each day, and they learn a little more about the relationship each day. But when they pause it, it's actually in decline. The problem is, many times in our culture, we prioritize and miss what's important. We decide that, you know, when the kids are old enough, maybe we can get back to date night and back to, you know, connecting with each other and spending time together. So we hit the pause button. Parenting, that's, that's one of the big reasons. We've got kids and, oh boy, it's so busy. So maybe another time we can be husband and wife or spouse and spouse. But right now we're going to be mom or dad, right? We're going to be parent. And we miss the fact that as soon as we hit the pause, the relationship began slowly to drop away, slowly to lose connection. And many times... When we go back to reconnect, when we finally go, you know, the kids are old enough, they're out of the house, or the, the career is far enough along, we can now reconnect, or I've done all the hobbies I wanted to, and, and I've traveled all I wanted to, and I've hung out with my friends as much as I've wanted to, or whatever it was that calls the pause button, we come back and we look at, you know, the spouse and go, who are you? What are we about? Because over time, while the relationship was not growing, we all change little by little over time. This has been one of those interesting times of what people have discovered with COVID. You know, they, they get back together and, and it's slowly happening now as people are reconnecting with family or friends and they realize all the changes that have happened in this past year. And they're different people. And so you have to spend some time getting back up to speed. What have you been doing? You know, what hobbies have you been doing? What, what are you thinking now? And, and so a lot of those transformations, you assume you're meeting that old person, but that old person is gone. And by the way, they assume they're missing, they're meeting the old person and that old person is missing too. You both are different people. And so it's true when we unpause the relationship you're different people, and you stare at each other and go, it's like I'm with a stranger. So that's what happens that gets us into trouble. That's what that divorce mediation project discovered eight out of ten times. It was just slowly growing apart. But over time, they finally hit the empty tank or the drain battery, and suddenly it falls apart. Or as the divorce attorney says, Marriages end a little at a time, then all at once. So what do you do? Well, there's possibility that you're at the point where you realize that there is a strain on the relationship, that things aren't where they need to be. But maybe the battery's not completely drained. You know, maybe it's given you the low battery signal that maybe it needs to go on energy reserve. And you go, oh, we need to do something. Or maybe it's completely drained. Maybe you feel like you're stranded on the side of the road with a gas can in your hand going, I don't know what to do. In either case, the process is the same. We work to restore the connection. If 
the connection is the lifeblood of a relationship, we're trying to restore the circulation. Now, the thing you have to be careful about is you can't just jump back in. You know, it's kind of like uh, having your car going in one gear. You can't suddenly throw it into another gear. Back when uh, I was younger, uh, my brother was driving my parents' car, and he threw it from drive to reverse or reverse to drive. I can't remember which. And at that point, there was no safety mechanism to keep that from happening, and it dropped the transmission right out of the car because it was too abrupt. And so part of what we have to do is slowly bring the connection back, slowly revive the relationship. Another analogy you might understand is that sometimes we've discovered that people, when they fall into, say, cold water, and it appears that they have drowned, really there's still life. It's just so deep inside that we have to slowly warm it back up. And one of the dangers of that situation is too quickly trying to reanimate the person. They go into shock and their body overcompensates. So you have to slowly bring the connection back into the relationship. You want to make sure you don't chase the person. You want to make sure that the process is one that you both can manage to understand. And that's part of the danger. Many times people have a sudden reaction when they realize the disconnection. And so they go full force into trying to save things. You know, this is when people suddenly do the, we're going to have somebody come to our house for 18 hours a day for three days and get this thing cranking again. And it collapses the relationship because it can't sustain that much, that much focus, that much attention. Or they say, oh, we know we're going to go on a long trip, a long romantic trip when the romantic feelings have gone dormant too long to just suddenly breathe life back into them. So part, part of what we have to do is begin to slowly build the process. Not jump full force in, but to pace the process so that the person can catch up. Because usually it's one person who realizes there's a deep problem. And many times there's one person who's ready to move to fix things. My guess is, if you're listening to this, that's you. You want to be aware of the fact that just because this is an awareness in your mind doesn't mean it's an awareness in your spouse's mind that the connection is the issue and that reconnection is the process. So you have to slowly build that back in. You have to make sure you pace the connection. Part of what I provide in, uh, for my VIP members is a number of tools of connection because I know that. I want to make sure that we can have a dialogue about using those tools. So we talk about uh, my text methods and my email methods and uh, uh, lots of other restructuring methods to make sure that the person doesn't feel like they're being overrun with the force of connection. Connection is best rewarmed slowly until it gets some speed and some strength. And then you can work harder and work on it together. But the process can start with one person waking up and realizing that there has to be a change, that the pause button has done enough damage, and now it's time to recharge. It's time to bring things back online. So now you know what happens. And it may feel very uh, familiar to you that it happens slowly, 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 then all at once. And you may recognize the fact that as the slow space apart begins to leave wounds of unloved and unappreciated. But the way back is just the opposite, to move towards connection. 
What we often do is go try to fix problems instead of trying to work on the connection. You're better served by working on the connection because many times the problems are the symptoms of the disconnection and problems evaporate when connection is a replacement. If you're not sure how to do that, if you're kind of lost in that, please check out my Save the Marriage system. You can find it at savethemarriage.com. That's savethemarriage.com. But if you've got a pretty good idea of that, just understand that the connection needs to improve a little at a time. Make sure that you stay focused on the fact that sometimes too much too fast tips it over the edge. That's where you really hit the trouble. Hope this has been helpful. If it has, I would love it if you would share this podcast with others. And one way you can do that without ever telling anybody to listen is to go leave a review. Um, and, and the best place to do that is wherever you're listening to the podcast. Just go back to that episode. There's usually a place to, re- to give me a reference and, and a review. And that's always helpful because it helps other people find this process. What we're here to do is save marriages and improve them. Make sure that there, it's not just that we're avoiding divorce, <laughs> but that we are making strong marriages and therefore strong families, and you're a part of that. So if you can, share and review. Otherwise, I wish you the best as you continue to work to save your marriage. You've been listening to Save the Marriage Podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com. Thank you.